New fallout in the banking world with a massive takeover leaving one Swiss bank with trillions in assets. Plus, another rate hike expected this week and why some are finding a safety net in Bitcoin. Your market moment starts now. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. The hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. Platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to the Market Moment. I'm Lee Mackey here with Matt Walters and Eli Freeman. Yo. Afternoon, guys. Hey. What's up? Good weekend? Yeah. Hogs won. Hogs won. Brackets are... Busted. Destroyed. Absolutely not. I, I was at a wedding this weekend w- during the Hogs game, and the ceremony finished with three minutes left. And so everyone went into the reception area, and all of the tables had phones out. And it, it was crazy. As soon as the game finished, everyone went went wild. I think fun. I'm currently in 16, 16th place out of total of 18 people in the office so um i've had better years but <laughs> well if you're a razorback fan as long as the hogs keep winning i don't care that's right razorbacks had a good weekend and off to vegas off to vegas yep. so it's good to be with everyone today some more fallout in the global banking system swiss-based ubs has agreed to buy its competitor credit suisse for more than three billion dollars or maybe we should say for only, for only yeah. $3 billion. <laughs> this deal comes after Credit Suisse shares saw their worst weekly decline since the onset of the COVID pandemic. Here's a few notes, guys, to um, get us started today. Credit Suisse received a loan last week of $54 billion, with a B, from the Swiss Central Bank to try to stop the bleeding. UBS is buying Credit Suisse, as we said, for roughly $3.2 billion dollars. Both are Switzerland's two largest banks. So that would almost be the equivalent here of, let's say, a Bank of America buying J.P. Morgan or, right. or vice yeah. versa. Mm-hmm. Um, together, they will hold $5 trillion, with a T, of investable assets. UBS says it has restructured the, ver- the transaction to preserve the value left in the business while limiting its downside exposure. So, guys, we're not going to belabor the point or talk about it to the extent we did last week but Mm -hmm. um you know the banking crisis um that we you know you know talked about last week continued through the weekend um what what are your guys takes on where we're at right now i mean specific with credit credit suisse i mean i don't think this was a huge surprise they've been Mm -hmm. kind of struggling for a while it is interesting just the numbers i mean you think of a bank that has that is this large that has this amount of assets I don't know what their structure is and how much, how many loans they have outstanding. You know what the structure of the bank, but to sell for three billion dollars, like that's a small number. It's a really small number to think of an institution that has a couple trillion dollars worth of assets under management in some form or fashion, or of investable assets, um, and you can only create three billion dollars worth of value when you sell yourself. You know, so that was that's that's surprising, but um, I think. Everybody kind of saw Credit Suisse as the next domino to fall, yeah. and that's been the case for a while. Um, even before the Silicon Valley deal, Credit Suisse was struggling. Mm-hmm. And so not not overly surprising. Suisse or Swiss, they, they've been in the news 
for the last several years yeah. in many malpractice, doing wrong banking, taking advantage of things that they shouldn't be. So it, it, yeah. partly it's almost like getting rid of a, a bad character in the banking world. You know, and this was not a situation as we maybe touched on last week, I mean, at least we did internally. This was not a situation where, you know, there was not a liquidity issue. Right. There wasn't a run on bank deposits. This was simply a situation where it was almost time for the bank to go. Just poor performance over a long period of time. And then you compound that kind of the final straw was the banking issues here over the last couple of weeks and the mm-hmm. lack of confidence. You know, you throw that onto a, a bank who was kind of on the you know, last leg to begin with. And it was like, that's all it took. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, well, it w- time will tell, you know, there's, there's still a few things to be shaken out here in the U S um, you know, as we come to, as we come on air today, you know, there's talks of uh, JP Morgan leading a consortium of banks trying to rescue or at least, you know, prop up First Republic. So we'll and see. And you, what said, you there. sent us the article just a little bit ago from First Trust. It was talking about, you know, kind of a national bank yeah. and how, like, every time the Fed or the government steps in and does this, whether it's their goal or not, like, it's kind of one step closer towards like a mm-hmm. national bank. And, you know, I mentioned to you the last week, Lee, me and you were talking about how the more guarantees, the more regulation that's put on banks, the more you kind of turn them into, whether you're trying to or not, like a utility stock, right? And so there's not as much investable potential for people like us to look at banks and financials as a great investment opportunity. So there's, you know, I I think it's still a little too early to tell, but I I wouldn't be surprised at all if we look back and say, you know, hey, the, the last week or second to last week, middle of March 2023 was kind of that point when the financial system changed sure. in a pretty big way. Uh, but again, time will tell. Yeah. And if you just look back to different times where the banking industry has been reformed, it typically comes around the time of a, a couple of bank failures, some crisis. crisis. Once that happens, then going forward, the changes come quickly. That's correct. That's good. So we'll see. You're right. We'll look back maybe, you know, t- fast forward 10 years, 20 years from now, and this, this may have been a turning point. Time will tell for sure. So uh, big week in the Fed um, this week. Despite all the calamity in the banking system, experts and analysts believe the Federal Reserve will approve another quarter percentage point interest rate increase this week. The question many are asking, with all that has happened in the last couple of weeks regarding the banking system, is another rate hike the right thing to do right now? And just to bring our listeners up to speed, inflation is currently right around 6%. The last Five rate hikes, starting with the most recent, has been a 25 basis point um, increase. Right before that was 50, and then the three preceding that were 75 basis points each. So, so guys, you know, 48 hours from now, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll kind of know. Um, you know, for the first time in a while, there's really some differing opinions. Yeah. I think up until this month, everybody's kind of assumed we're raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. You know. And there really wasn't a question of how high, um, you know, now when you listen to different people talk, it's, you know, three options, basically. Do they go 50, which most people think not? Do they go 25 or do they sit this one out and not do anything? So what what do you guys think? Well, if you go back to just two weeks ago, I would say most people were thinking that they for sure 100% were going to go 50 basis points. Yeah, I mean, that was the consensus. And then there, then there started to be talks one week ago once once SVB started failing that they may even halt 
and and let off of some of the quantitative tightening that they're doing. So most most people and I would be in the camp of thinking right right in the middle of both of those camps in between 50 and zero, and not raising into the 25 basis points. I mean, 25 feels right. Yeah. To be honest with you, because you know they're they're in a tough spot where they don't want people to think they're freaked out about the banking situation, right? And so that mm-hmm. you know the people would look at not increasing at all after everything they've said and done up to this point, And then the banking system takes them from a 50 to a zero. It seems a little bit more extreme. Um, but they also don't want to act like they're, you know, not still going after their goal of decreasing inflation and right. Getting that under control. So the 25, just from a feels standpoint (laughs) feels right. And I think after that, they have some flexibility because They'll be going into the next call, you know, with information and kind of this perception of what's going on that they didn't have after the last hike. Yeah. What will be really interesting to see is what Jerome Powell says after the 25 base. That's, yeah, I think the market will be watching more of the change in verbiage to see if he's still as hawkish as he has been to continue raising rates or if he's starting to consider slowing down maybe even at the next. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it time and time again that you know there's a credibility issue with with the fed and i think that you know that's another they're facing that now is you know do, do we do we do something do we not um so we'll we'll see um the problem though right is what they've done up to this point caused a lot of the te- sure the junk that just happened yeah. with the banking yeah. system and so like the further you go like how impactful for the yeah that might be great for confidence of like okay they're still going after inflation they're still on their mission like they're not freaking out about the banks but then you got the banks that they're like dude we're like we're barely keeping our head above water from a you know our asset values have declined because of rates increasing like when are y'all going to cut us a break and so it's an interesting spot for Powell for sure well guys I mean we have our own opinion of Jerome Powell the Fed chair but um I think we all know one person who has made it very um, – she's made it very clear her feelings on Jerome Powell, and that's uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren of uh, Massachusetts. And so um, on Sunday's Meet the Press, um, she claims Powell has failed in his role, saying he lightened regulation for banks, which led to banks upping their risk and ultimately spawned our current situation. Take a listen. My views on Jay Powell are well known at this point. He has had two jobs. Uh, One is to deal with monetary policy. One is to deal with regulation. He has failed at both. Right. Would you advise President Biden to replace him? Look, I I don't think he should be chairman of the Federal Reserve. I have said it as Mm -hmm. publicly as I know how to say it. I've said it to everyone. So, guys, what would you consider a successful tenure as the Fed chairman, and what would constitute a failure? <laughs> any any thoughts? Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, I think I think in general, at a twenty thousand, thirty thousand foot view, I mean, their their mandate is keeping inflation under control, and so I think you could say that, you know, if he can navigate this current inflationary period and bring the economy down without tipping it into a recession or a severe one. I think some people or many people would view that as a success. So the, I think my, the, and this is a little extreme, but like the purest form of like success in my mind is someone who's going, would go in there and get us back to the point where the Fed doesn't have, have near as much say in rates and markets and they kind of get outside of the picture again. Right. I mean, there was a day 
not all that long ago where we didn't even know who the chairman was. You didn't know who the chairman <laughs> was. No one really cared. And when they did say something, it was typically like a week or so after they said it that people started to figure it out. And you'd go back and read the transcript, and you didn't you didn't just like meditate on every word they said of like how is this going to. And I think that's a much healthier spot to be for the markets, in my opinion. And so. Um, I would consider that success. Now, I don't think we're getting there anytime yeah. soon. But um, outside of that, I mean, it's, yeah, if 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 you can look back on their tenure and say, hey, they were able to keep things pretty steady and keep the high, you know, the highs not too high and the lows not too low, then I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, as long as, as, long as business in America continues at a strong rate for the next 100, 200, 300 years, well, th- then that's a good track record, right? I don't think uh, I'll be around <laughs> then yeah. to... But that—that's we have the federal chair for the purpose of long-term growth, not thinking in the next ten, fifteen, or twenty years. And what all of our monetary policy is around is around that long-term growth. So it's really that's why I kind of scoffed when you asked the question because it's—it would be in in the similar vein of if you ask someone that's investing with a money manager, what's what's an expected rate of return or what's a good rate over a one-year time frame. Well, we, we have no clue, and it's really difficult to say, well, the Federal Reserve over a three-year time, like, what is our time frame when we're judging them? It's a lot longer than most positions, because you're judging them on longer than a one-year time frame. I think the, I think the uh, that's, that's all true, but the downside is they'll do anything they need to to try to mitigate any short-term pain. Today. And so, yeah. I mean, their, their outlook may be like, we need to position ourselves well for the longer term, but they they react sure. right and mm-hmm. they're going to try to soften the blow in the short term as well and the question is can you do both of those things like keep us on the right track long term while also saying like we're going to do whatever we need to do to mitigate the short term volatility and you know i just question of if that's possible mm-hmm. well and, and and to your point just a second ago you know the the fed the fed says that they're not focused on the stock market whether it's going up or down but truth be told, they look at it. Oh, you absolutely. know, I mean, I mean, he, he does not want right now for the stock market to run away and, and go crazy. And so anyway, it's, it is interesting that, yes, they have a long term outlook, but they're not blind to short term mm-hmm. um, situations. Um, finally, let's talk a little bit about uh, Bitcoin. Remember, <laughs> remember that? I do. Um, with all of the uncertainty in the global markets, where are some people turning for more stable investments? Believe it or not, Bitcoin. Bitcoin hit its highest level in nine months on Monday, topping $28,000. Bitcoin as a whole gained around $26 billion in value in 24 hours. And Bitcoin has risen by 70% this year. Now, other cryptocurrencies did not see the same jump. But needless to say, Bitcoin has seen somewhat of a resurgence um, in 2023. I don't know if it's anything lasting but it is kind of interesting that people have begun to put money back into the cryptocurrency that last year really really took it on the chin yeah i mean i've been saying this for a while i don't currently own crypto of any sorts and i don't really have any interest in it but i also don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon and i think people that you know there's probably opportunity in it i don't think it's going to zero um so it's not all that surprising i mean i think just like we saw it sell off right i think you're going to see it like have some really good periods as yeah. well, depending on when things happen. I mean, it's a, it's just such a unique asset, if you want to call it that, right? That's just, 
um, we're still figuring out. And so there's going to be really high highs and really low lows with it probably for the foreseeable future. It's just interesting in a time where most people are flocking to safety that people are moving money into Bitcoin. Just from an idealistic standpoint, treasuries make sense. Maybe some bonds make sense. Safer assets make a lot of sense. But moving into Bitcoin... I don't think that I don't know if there people are moving into it from a safety perspective. I think it's more from an offer. It's opportunistic, right? I mean, it was sold off and it got hit so hard last year that, um, you know, people see it as like, I mean, you start looking at assets you can invest in and upside potential. Like, I mean, there's a case to be made, like there's some upside opportunity there. And so, um, I would never look at Bitcoin in the short term, at least, of as a you know, safe investment, as a safe haven <laughs> for you know no. protecting principal or anything like that. But short term opportunity to catch catch an upswing, yeah, yeah maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, let me. Uh, we'll close this podcast and let's bring it back and be a little more practical for for our clients that that listen. You know, over the last two weeks, we've had a lot of things in the news. Not a lot of positive. Even though the stock markets were up for the most part last week, um, you know, one thing that we tell our clients over and over and over again is what? Stay in the market. You know, time in the market is much more important than trying to time the market. Um, You know, we've had clients over the past several days, you know, inquire as to what's going on. Is our money safe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Any comments, any pieces of advice that either one of us, any of us want to to share as we kind of close this and head into a new week? I mean, I think the the big thing that we've I've been communicating with clients anyways is, you know, the, everything we've seen up to this point looks pretty specific with, you know, the banks that, that just hadn't done a great job managing at the, both at the business level, but also at the investment level have taken a hit. I mean, it's been a tough environment and rates have changed a lot of things, whether it be how much money how much it costs to borrow money or how much money a bank can make and the value of the assets that they hold, you know, banks that went longer on duration um, and lent out more of their money, right. And didn't have a good deposit to loan ratio and all of that, like they're more exposed. And I think that's, albeit maybe a little scary just because of how we see and um, what we use banks for in the, in, in our economy. I think it's also a, a sign of a, in some ways, a healthy economy, like, right. Some, a business that's not managed well should go out of business. Correct. Right. And you have stuff that works against you. Um, not all businesses that are started are made to thrive and succeed forever. And so it, you know, it creates opportunity for other banks, right? There's going to be a void that that's created with some of these banks failing and banks that are being run well, that have good leadership are going to step in and, and take advantage of that. And so, Again, short-term volatility, a little scary. I don't see anything that looks like, you know, systemic, like, oh, we're going to start seeing bank failures across the country. Um, and I think it's just a, kind of a part of capitalism and free markets. You know, and one of the things that I, I think I've tried to educate my clients on over the past year or so is that volatility does not always equal bad. Right. You know, it just means that things are moving around, you know, things are, are a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, and here's a case in point, we talked about this earlier today, was that as much bad news as entered or, or that we saw last week, the NASDAQ had a great week. It was yeah. up 4.5%. The S&P was up 1.5%. So, you know, if you ask people blindly, 
hey, what do you think the markets did last week? I'm sure most people would have been like, oh, I bet they were down a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Well, in fact, they were not. So it it just goes to what we tell our clients is stay in the market. Don't react Mm -hmm. to bad short term news. Um, You know, we think we've got we've got good plans in place. If you're following a financial plan, you know, we, we tell clients that, you know, markets will go up, markets will come down. So um, we hope that you'll continue to, to heed that advice. As, as we do every week, we like to end with a thought of the day. Today's thought is from Mickey Rooney. You always pass failure on the way to success. And I think that's a good one to end with is that, you know, if, if you want to be successful, you're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way. Any parting comments, guys? No, I'm excited to see. Let's see what the Fed does. We'll talk about it next week mm-hmm. um, and have you know a couple days of market performance to look yeah. and see how the market reacts. I'm just excited to see how, how Matt turns out in the March Madness bracket here at, here at the office, see if he can make his way from the bottom. And guys, maybe if the Razorbacks win two more games, we might have to take our podcast on the road, <laughs> on the road and broadcast from the Final Four in Houston next week. Who knows? Hey, crazier all, things have happened. I'm all for it, yep. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us this week's Market Moment. We will see you next week. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Rogers, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Third-party ratings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client, nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss, including the loss of principal. Actual account results may have been higher or lower than the results mentioned, depending on an individual's investment timing, cash movement, size of the account, and client restriction. Past performance is not indicative of future results. For full disclosures, please see mock-1financial.com disclosures.